Blog Talk Radio. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and mass incarceration used to enslave people all across this nation. Now, the word of truth by Pastor Lionel Gant. I am looking for freedom, looking for freedom, and Glory to God. Glory to God. This is Pastor Lionel Gant. I'm coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And once again, we're coming to you with nothing but the whole truth. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And today I have my good friend, uh, Ibrahim, that's on the line with me. Bro, can you uh, say good morning to the people and give them a, a word? All right. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Yeah, um, I think it's time that we as black people have started to look at survival mode. I think we have forgotten that we're in survival mode and we need to increase our attempts to survive and to all the costs that are happening right today in front of our eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we definitely we definitely are on the battlefield. And we're definitely, you know, and we're definitely at war. And so, you know, people are acting like ain't nothing going on, but we're going to uh, let them know some of the things that's going on today. Okay, what's what's going on, bro? You were talking about uh, you were talking about the uh, the the Trump the Trump situation. Uh, enlighten the people real quick and just refresh their memory of just what happened and where we at today. We had a, a, a we're we're looking at a real civil war that's that is taking place. I don't know where the battlefield is, where the front lines are, but this has been pre-planned. You know, you remember, uh, I think that uh, between Trump's effort to take over the American government and dominate the European uh, Union uh, was orchestrated when he started making preparations with with, uh, Putin, when he had that top-secret meeting with him where he allowed no American uh, security officials or translators into the meeting. But it was Putin and Putin's translator, and they closed the door for, I know, it was about an hour, Mm -hmm. and they discussed things. Now, then you flash forward, you know, so I think deals and promises were made. Then you flash forward to January 6th, right, the, the insurrection and leading up to January 6th, right? All these, all these parties are somehow colluding, planning uh, for, for overthrow or retaking the government. Even before, even when they knew that the election was being lost, they'd already start planning, right? If the election would lose or even they win, they're going to certify any any type of resistance. And he's going and, and he had ex, um, exercised himself in the military American intelligence, so they would be kind of clueless to what was going on. And he controlled the FBI and and the part and Department of uh, the the DOJ, uh, uh, Department of Justice. And you know he had people in place. So then when it went up to it, right, people started bailing out on him because they seen he was serious. Now where did Russia come into play? You remember Russia was was already making complaints about Ukraine because they they had a uh, they had a uh, uh, annexed uh, some uh, uh, some of Ukraine in that war a few years ago, and then it was like it was a plan to go and invade, and Russia started building up plans uh, pre Trump election. So I mean deals were made. So then when Trump lost and everything, and he tried he failed at, at the January sixth uh, <laughs> takeover of the American government. Then, you know, he had a backup. What, he had a backup, but if he was too exposed, he could run to Russia or whatever. And he took all those documents, nuclear documents, documents of American defense capabilities and, and allies, and he, and he took them down to Mar-a-Lago, which uh, uh, um, he had a visitor that was a Russian, and uh, more details about that I guess you can find on AOL, and you can, you can look up all these things, right? We had those secret, top-secret documents in. And they were ramming through. They were taken out and put in with other papers and everything, like they were trying to be hit and everything. But he selectively packed, had anticipated and packing pallets of documents, top secret documents. <laughs> you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, I may be told, well, don't worry about buying, buying wheat. Here we go. Here we go. Now we see a massive invasion, right? And I thought it was going to be a immediate takeover two or three months. You know, he felt that's another thing. I think he fell in a couple of areas. Well, of, but, uh, well, America, 
America has to be has to wake up. I mean, you know that election wasn't right. I mean, you know that that there was something that 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 America you know took over that election, and and you know the, the numbers the numbers are not right. You know something is wrong with that. You know. And uh, and and they're acting like, like nothing's happened. Go ahead. I think I think it was not right that was uh, that Trump thought he had his all people in place, and even if the even whatever election went, he was going to take over. Now that was the most safest, securest election that we had in years. I mean, <laughs> decades. You know, it was very it was very secure. All the Pope, everything was right. All the all the votes came in like this is you know like this supposed to or would actually a photo come in for Trump. But mm. everything was – and then Trump was overseeing that. And then he brought people on top of people because his people would not do it. He had a lot of people would not falsify the election, you mm. know, before then. And now but what he did do, he did put in place people at local levels, and then people tried to take over the election by falsifying the election. So then we got people's attitudes about our election is corrupt. So now we did all these laws and everything. Go against the, eight, uh, the, uh, the 1866 law, the 1870 law that everybody knows about, the Voting Rights Act in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, under Fannie Lou Hamer and in 1968. But you know, so the election was tight. The thing about the Southern Party election, they want to make sure that everybody got a chance to vote, unless we had something. George Washington and them, they set up the Electoral College. Because they think the common day man, the common man, couldn't have a, had a gravitas to choose the right person for an election. Right. So here it goes: the individual person don't work for, I mean, don't vote for exactly for the president. You vote within the state to to choose a, a pre-selected a, a person out of electoral college for either Democrats or Republicans. Now it was several parties in the past, but now it's two parties, right? Mm-hmm. So when you vote for them, you have you have you have a, a certain amount of electorates. Whether your candidate wins or loses your state, you still have a certain amount of electorates, right? They go up there to represent their party or their candidate that that, that the people voted for, and it's based on these lines and everything. The public has been destroying the lines, voting lines. I mean, way back, we got people in here like uh, uh like the governor and everybody that because of the lines and, and they cut off people around in Gwinnett County. So that white people had a majority of vote when black people and some of Lawrence and everything dominates the area. Same thing down in South Georgia. We got yeah. some of the most prejudiced places, you know. So, but anyway, but but see, but all this, all this had built up. It didn't take like it didn't happen overnight. It took decades for this to build up as an, as an attack or control to make this country control and operate irregardless of whatever numbers were by white people. This is a white country. It was said. It was said during the Trump election. Before this, you know, this is a white country. So that means when he say that, even though the population of whites is sixty-three percent and declining because of our good friends, the Hispanics, right? Even mm-hmm. even what's happening, everything, right? We're declining, and but but the whole thing of it is so now you're talking about language, you're talking about culture and stuff like that becoming predominant within this white country. You see what I'm saying? So people of color, right, or whatever, are dominate, become dominant. You know what I mean? But even though there's no there's no minority uh, people that are equal to the domination of white people voters in this country. So right. so to maintain a white country, right? And then you got all white people ain't on the same side. You know what I mean? Some are more liberal, some are moderate, some extreme uh, extreme right. You know what I mean? Extreme left. So we rely somewhere in the middle. I don't care what we believe or think. We're going to fall in the middle category because we go to the extreme right. We're out of our mind. Because that's well, a, that, that ain't what, about, what about the statement by uh, by Joe Biden, by the president, saying that uh, that he believed by, by he said that the fact is that by, you know, 2030, you know, America is going to be majority, that the white people are going to be a minority. That uh, most people of color are going to be the people uh, that makes up the population of the United States. You know, it might be it might be later twenty thirty, but what the hell? That's a racist statement. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, look here, look here, look, look here. I'm saying they will not be a minority. They will still be in a majority, 
but you're going to lump all people of color together. Now, I heard black people talk about Mexicans like they're the devil themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, that's bad they talk about. Oh, they're taking our job and everything. And you know what? You go, you go right around all these construction, downtown Atlanta, all these studies being built in every county. We don't want to take no more. <laughs> yeah, we want, you know what? And the farm, I heard people tell me, I said, we need to build, oh, that's like slavery. I don't care see myself on the farm. I said, what the hell are you talking about, GMO? Now, how are you going to resolve the problem of GMO if you don't control the vote or the sit of the Congress? And then you're going to blame the people that are against GMO for being pedophiles and everything, some secret cabal that nobody proved and nobody it's just somebody said that it happened. They seen a movie that people forgotten. I, I could think of several movies some of these conspiracy theories come from, right? People <laughs> forgotten about and all of a sudden we got a cabal that's destined to take over America and all like that. Well America has has destroyed us and everybody else and continue to destroy. I mean, we don't even look at we talk we look oh the Russians in Ukraine. Look how Ukraine did the, the, the Africans over there, the black people over there. Look, not right now, we're talking about that. Look at the hell going down in Haiti where they had to give up and ask the very people that, that, that had called this situation down in Haiti to help them, to go down there and stop these gangs and killing everybody and blocking their ports so they can get supplies to uplift their own people. And what are we doing sitting here? We worried about Trump and everybody else, right? And we worried about we worried about the killings going on. And what are we going to do about it? We're going to pass a law. We're going to get the police, the white police, to stop this all this in our community. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But we ain't going to do a damn thing ourselves because, you know what, I ain't got time for that. You know what I mean? I got to get my money. I got to get paid. I got to get my nails done. I got to get my hair done. Oh, I got to get my beard shaved. You know what I mean? I got to see what's going on with the, with, with the Falcon. I got to see what's going on with this, that, and our team, St. Louis, Miami, no lie. The same. I ain't got time for all that, man. You're talking about politics and stuff. I ain't got nothing to do with that. But as soon as something happens, man, they trying to take our guns, man. They don't want the white folks doing this, white folks doing that. And then the same thing, at the same mouth, we need more police to keep them people locked up. Oh, they putting too many black people in jail and all like this here. And by letting criminals go. Well, everybody letting criminals go. But, 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 you know, they got all the black people locked up. We got to do something about it. What the hell? What the hell? We're not concerned about ourselves. And right now, you see the biggest play, this is a European politics that what a European country, we've seen this play over and over again. You look at history, it's always been on, on their history, one, government, one European uh, empire taking over another European empire. It was the British Empire. America took over, right, took it back. China took back, uh, took back their things, right? And then the French, right? America took back a lot from the French, right? Bought it from the French. The French in Indochina, Vietnam, they took back their country, right? We interfered to try to stop them from taking over, for, for the Vietnamese for take over, and now the Vietnamese went on won the war anyway. Same thing with Afghanistan. We fought the damn Russians in Afghanistan with them, created a situation. We evacuate the situation, leave them to suffer. Then they come back, and we're going to jump in there and try to attack them, and we lose again, just like everybody else has. You know, history, history is a damn thing that repeats itself, right? We keep having Vietnam left and right, and they're like, oh, they like Vietnam. They don't seem like Vietnam. Well, hell, it came out just like Vietnam, only less people died. You know what I mean? Less Americans died. You know, you know what I'm saying? So what, what in the hell, why are we still waving a, a red, white, and blue flag, ready for the blood, the bloodshed that Americans bled on people, right? And the only thing that blue is supposed to be for loyalty, right? You know, and the white, you know what that's for, the people. Just like the RBG, baby, red, black, and green, red for the blood, black for the people, green for the land. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they kept, they waving the flag right over our dead bodies. Whether we fought for them or we fought against them, they waving that flag. We show all kind of um, inequities, illegality in modern history. And we okay. celebrate them and we defile our own people that we only wanted justice and rights and equality and jobs. And great for our own people. Everybody talk about Martin Luther King now, man. They just they hated Martin Luther King. The the, the black church hated Martin Luther King. That's you right. know, oh, you know what you're saying? Say, look here, read the letters in the Birmingham jail how they defied him because he sent them middle aged school kids out there to get bit by dogs and get made a hard show. That was one of the biggest losses he had, but it came a big success because the whole world sees how they treat people. 
Hey, look, we're, look, we're in South Africa. We talk about South Africa, America. We talk about how we're doing Ukraine and all these things. Hell, right here in America, we're being treated. We're talking about the older Russian an unpopular war. They did the same thing. You know what the draft did here in Vietnam. Hold on a minute. That's what I'm talking about. Doing Vietnam. During Vietnam, we had we had Black America that was over there fighting for the for the, for the, for the freedom of of Vietnam, and uh, they didn't even have freedom back home. Yeah, and on top of that, we had a draft. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. You were drafted. If you were if you were Black and A one, and right down there at the Punch Market, you remember they used to be right next to Sid and Roebuck. They used to be Sid Catalog. I worked there when I was a teenager. Right, right next door used to be the draft station. When a black come in and you got an A1 draft that guess what? You were damn near drafted almost immediately during the, during the height of the Vietnam War, 69, by then. They sent you straight away right down there to Columbus, you know. Or, you know and then you went to Columbus. And after you was ready, they, they took you on leave after you had to report to Gillum. Yeah. Where you went to Gillum? Yeah, where you went to Vietnam? Mm-hmm. I, I, took, I drove my buddies down there to down to Columbus, Georgia. When they came, I drove them back up when they was on furlough. And when I drove them back to Gillum before they went off to Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? I ain't talking out the side of my neck, brother. You know what I mean? I was there. That's what people tell me about. Oh, you the 62. I was there, man. And when Martin King went against, the, went against them people about the Vietnam War, guess what? Oh, he, oh, we got an 86 in his ass. Oh, he gone. He gone. Don't forget him. He ain't number history. You know what I mean? So, so let's don't get it twisted, man. You know, oh, let us get into our subject. Let's talk about what we need to talk about today. Go ahead. Let's, about, uh, let's start talking about, uh, first of all, let's start talking about our people, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, what's going on with our people today. So mm-hmm. we were talking about, uh, we were talking about how they're killing us and how, uh, how they're, you know, mass incarcerating us. And, and then I want you to give a little history about Atlanta and the, uh, and the battles of, of civil rights. Uh, being a historian, I wanted you to tell them about your tours and how you could take them around Atlanta to see the various sites where uh, all these things took place at. Because we have a lot of listeners out there, a lot of our youth, they don't know about the role that Atlanta has played in civil rights. Give us a brief history, bro. Well, um, I don't know where to start. Where you want me to start? You want to start in 1840? <laughs> no, no, we can, we can start with some of the events that happened here in Atlanta. Okay. Well, well the events that happened here in Atlanta, um, in my memory, because I was a child in, and uh well, the greatest event to me was in uh, 1960. My mother took us down to a, a big department store that was around the edge of the black neighborhood. That was Northside Drive. This was North Northside Drive. And she took us there to ride this thing called a pink pig in this, in this department store. Yeah. I don't think nothing. I remember My mother, Yeah. Yeah, we ride there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, um, my mother, uh, she she could pass for white. If people, you know, she didn't tell people she was black. They always all made some she was white. So she went in there with her little dark gate pink cap on, her, her little, you know, her, her her satin dress on, and everything. She had us some coat, right? Uh-huh. And they told her, "What are you them nigga kids in here for?" Mama said, "Mama always told her, keep her head up straight, walk and pay attention to what she do, right?" So she just went right past and took us up there and put us on the pink pig. And that that was the same year that Julian Bond and A.D. Williams King and a bunch of others was uh, trying to integrate the department store so that it would be so that we allowed to shop inside the main area as white people did. That is now the uh, Martin Luther King uh, government building, right? Yes, and, I remember that. Go ahead. Uh-huh. So, and my brother, the first two kids, are, so we uh, integrated by default the Pink Pig. Now, that same year, Martin Luther King had moved back to Atlanta uh, from Birmingham or Montgomery, and stayed on Sunset. And his, and his brother, A.D. Williams King, Julian Barnum, as he had more experience with these protests, to help him out. And one of the wealthiest uh, men in Atlanta, that was Norris Hearn, the son of Alonzo Hearn, one of, one of the first black millionaires in Atlanta, yeah, born yeah. in slavery. Anyway, he, he supplied their materials, proper did science and public science stuff they could have 
they're taking the protest. But at that time, Martin Luther King was on a, a, a probation for driving a Georgia car, Alabama driver's license. This is the same year, and it's all important, all is important, because this is the same year that Nixon was running against Kennedy, the first Catholic president that was ever elected. But anyway, at that time, they were running. Um, at that time, black people were linking Republicans around Atlanta, a heavy, the multi majority. And right. so Nixon had the black vote because he was vice president under um, Eisenhower. So he had the black vote. But so when all this happened, anyway, Martin King showed up. They seen him, so he had, he had committed a vote uh, against his uh, probation. They snatched him up and threw him, a, one state troop and a dog to the worst chain gang prison in North Georgia, the worst, in Georgia. So they know that he was going to kill him. Find them southern Dixocrats had him, they was going to kill him. He wasn't going to last a couple of days, right? Threw him in there. And then, uh, um, so they went, um, Daddy King and them, they, in the Republican Party, went to Nixon. They tried to get him to, to, to get Martin King released, right? And he said, you think about it, because Georgia was a Dixiecrat state. That was the same people that are Republicans, right? The Dixiecrats, the racist, segregationist Dixiecrats, right? So anyway, somebody said, well, Kennedy and his brother Bobby, they're going they, they gonna, to they talking about the civil rights and passing the civil rights laws and everything and honor some of that, right? Because, you know, Kennedy served in World War II, and he had a, he had a run in the Pacific Ocean with black troops and stuff and stuff. So, you know, he had a neutral feeling about them. And, uh, and also the military was integrated that's after that war. You know, that's history. But anyway, so he called them this guy now who wanted to win the election of president. And they had Mama King released the very next day. Daddy King said, I thought I'd never vote for a Catholic or a Democrat, but he saved my son's life, you know. So mm-hmm. then uh, the Kennedys uh, and Junior Bond, everybody, so the Kennedys went around with a, the book they called the Blue Book with all these great civil rights leaders coming about what he did for Martin Luther King, who was the, who was the pearl in the dream at that time, but really still uh, uh, not necessarily come the leader of the civil rights movement, right? So anyway, he was most notable. So anyway, they went out, and you know the rest of history. Kennedy won the election, almost a damn landslide against Nixon because he lost the Lincoln Republican vote. You know what I mean? The black vote. You know what I mean? A lot of other people vote, right? So so now that's the rest of it. But while we still voting Democrat after that, that was like a, a, a scratch in the head. We had Lester Maggie, we had Bull, Bull Connor, and all kind of people, you know. But anyway, right. but this is what this is what the history of Atlanta was, uh, provided was a, 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 a tapestry, a background, a change of the guard, you know, a, a complete movement of ideas and concepts of one party to another party. Party that Republicans are supposed to stand for, who, who 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 let us down on every turn since eight to, since, since since the uh, segregation laws or, or, or the black the black law the black code back in the early 20th century. You know okay. what I mean? They, okay, yeah. bro. I, I want them to I want the, the audience to know that this was the change where where as most most blacks in America were you know, Republican. But at that at that transition with Kennedy, that's when they went over to Democrat. All right. Right. Go ahead. right. So so that's how it changed the scene. That's why it changed the scene a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. now Kitty was forced to keep playing his hand, even though he had the worst he had the worst the worst racist party behind his back. You know. Uh, he kept he started playing his hand, so he started separating himself. Then he had the Ben Pigs invasion, the nuclear war. October this was sixty years ago in October. I think it was October eleventh. You know about the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know what I mean? When he was going, he told it was going to blow him out of water with nuclear weapons if Khrushchev was going to get past a certain line to bring them missiles to put in a silo they built in Cuba, right? You know, you know what they told us: get up on the bed. They had it was a real nuclear war going. On. It was it was more scary and real than it is now, but this is the same thing that happened 60 years ago. You know, people say, oh, he ain't going to do that. Look at Khrushchev had the God-given sense to say, well, hell, stop it. Well, we ain't got to go that far because Kennedy was going to push that damn button. All the planes were in the air, blah, blah, blah. A nuclear war was at hand. You know, this was close. You could get to a nuclear war without having one. And I ain't jiving, you know. And it was ultimate destruction. Massive shooter truck. That's the only thing nuclear weapons did. If you're gonna blow me up, I'm gonna blow you up. We're gonna blow up the whole damn world. Mutually shared destruction. So that's why the nuclear program worked. Because nobody wanted to go that route. You know, to lose everything to try to gain what? I don't know. <laughs> you know nothing. <laughs> but 
But anyway, but uh, so all this happened. But anyway, so going on, moving forward, now Democrats, and then you had a, a person called Fannie Lou Hamer. You had people that were trying to get the vote and sell the Democrats out, right? And they fought the Democratic Party. Fannie Lou Hamer is a real good person to read about and see what she accomplished and done. And we give credit to people like SCLC uh, and stuff like that, and Martin Luther in particular, when it was done by a lot of people that people don't even know about or heard about today. You know, Hosea Williams is not even in the, is not even in the I don't know if Fannie Lou Hamer now is in the, uh, the, the Museum of Civil Rights, right? But she was a key figure, especially in 1968, you know, the Democratic election. She's one that almost forced Johnson to sign the um the sign that the voter rights laws in the South, you know, because the turmoil she went through in real turmoil life. She was nothing but a cotton picker from from families of cotton picker, and the granddaughter of cotton pickers. She was a cotton picker, married a cotton picker, and she came one of the most primary militant person Smith had uh, since Stokely Carmichael H. Rap Brown, because she was out there doing something. She got to put her life on the line and did what she did. You know what I mean? But uh, so anyway, then there was integration of Atlanta. Now this was a southern city that that made that made it through this, right? We had to integrate the train station was called Terminus. That is now the um, I can't think of the name of the building. Now it's a federal building, it's a courthouse now out there. That used to be the Terminus station called Blackwood Segregate on train. We were segregated on airplanes. It's so airplanes. I think was more integrated. First, then uh, airlines were integrated, then the train station was. You had to sit in a colored car, you got up board and, uh, the Mason-Dixon line and got third out west. You could go in a dining car. I remember that because we took the train. I, I, don't, I don't remember much about the plane, but we, I took a, the first time I was a child, and I took the plane in 58 or 59. We went up to Chicago. I went to Chicago with my dad, right? I'm being oldest, and I stayed behind, and then I went to Chicago to go. But anyway... I was, you know, segregation. People don't understand what this means. That all this public transportation, y'all getting on the buses and the, and you're taking the train and you're taking planes and all like that. Public transportation. It didn't end in 1955. I'm here to tell you it didn't end in 1955. It was state by state, city by city, local people taking back their local government so they could be treated like they pay the money. You pay your money. You want to sit where you want to sit at, and whatever conference zone you want to, and you got the money to pay. And I'm telling you, black folk down south had a lot of money, and we couldn't spend it. We were trapped in areas not because our social economic condition, not because of anything, but because that we had black skin. Because, you know, as soon as they lift down them barracks in Atlanta, paving road blockade, pull down that whole wall, no niggas allowed, right? Overnight, all became 100% black, and them neighborhoods looked just as good or better than they did when the black people moved in. I can't mm-hmm. say that about a lot of areas, but that them areas, some areas out through there, Cascade, up there around Gwinnett County and Lawrenceville, and down here in Henry County and Clayton County, right? A lot of them areas look pristine, even better compared to summertime when the poor white and middle class working whites were living in. You understand what I'm saying? And then, mm-hmm. but 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 we did this out of our will, out of our determination to have what was ours. We paid taxes on it. I want this. How we, oh, you want to be next to a white person sitting on a stool. You want, hey, look here, we travel, you know, they talk about the Green Book. We travel from Atlanta, Chicago, about call 41. Some cities had the sundown law. That means no niggas allowed in their town after sundown. And that was law. You could wind up in jail, your whole family. I don't care how wealthy you were, how this, that you were. You wound that town before sun, after sundown, you going to jail, county jail. You're against the law. You look at, you smile, you know, you smile, the white, the white, we trying to shake your hand. That was a criminal offense, you know what I mean, a white man. That was a criminal offense in public view. You know, that was disturbing the peace, breaking the norm, breaking the law. You know, we talk about law and everything like this. And, audience, I'm telling you, we're talking about Atlanta, Georgia, where they call it, they call now the Mecca of the South. This is how, this is how things were when we were growing up. Uh, I mean, there were certain things that we knew that we, we you, you know, had to observe. We had to watch, you know, every day. And, you had to uh, watch and resist. And laws did a lot of both. And laws died for it. All right, y'all. This is the whole Truth Nothing But the Truth radio broadcast. And uh, today we got my brother Ibrahim on the, on the line representing the Black Panther Party. And, uh, of course, you have me on the line. I'm, I'm representing the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And you know what? Today, 
we want to look at some situations and some circumstances that's going on right now, okay? For those of you that are listening to the broadcast, for those of you that are new to the broadcast, you know, we we are we are we are giving you the truth and nothing but the whole truth. Right now, you know, they are creating chemical warfare and biological warfare and and they are they are they are literally creating foods that react to our DNA. They are creating uh, uh, what we call GMO products that are designed to kill you, okay? I, I can't put it to you in no other kind of words. Right now, they are weaponizing the water, okay? And you might notice about the case that was in Flint, Michigan. We talked about this on one of our other broadcasts. In different different uh, different uh, cities where it's predominantly black, you're going to find the situation with the water. And I wanted to kind of, you know, talk about that a little bit, about them weaponizing the water, about them weaponizing the food. And... Uh, I wanted to hear your opinion on it, my brother. What do you have to say about that? I say, I say, uh, well, you know, unlike a lot of people, I remember a study that happened in uh, Israel. They were trying to find a way they could eliminate all the errors. Well, it did genetic study. We see it every day, bro. We see it every day. How do we kill the rats? How do we kill the roaches? We feed them. We kill them too. We get them. You kill them through. Right. You know, we use insecticide. We we use chemicals in the air. Chemicals. But, but listen, here's the point I was trying to make. But you cannot discriminate, even though you got about a thousand different varieties and species of cockroaches, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot genetically manipulate to kill one species or several species of cockroaches and leave other species alone. It's almost impossible. That's what the Israelis found out. So what happens is, that you might have some pre-elections of certain people like cancers and stuff like that, right? But to isolate it from the whole entire community is almost impossible. You get percentages. Like, for instance, um, like that we're 13% of population, but we're 20% of people that die of a particular cancer disease or disease, right? Mm-hmm. But that is, that we're, in number-wise, actual real numbers, we're the majority that dies from that. We're just twice the amount of our population. You know what I'm saying? When, like, if 50% of the people, uh, uh, 50% of white people die from the same diseases, right, that means that it's almost like less than one, less than, a, um, it would be about almost equal to the population, about 90% of, 90% are susceptible to this or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? So, so that they can't isolate, like, but, but they can, they can destroy us they, at a quicker time. You figure they can wipe us all out before, a significant number of white people die. Guess what? You know, most of the poorest, lowest socioeconomic scale. I wipes out another problem, but it creates another problem because being how do you determine wealthy? <laughs> you, know, you know, how do you determine wealthy when you wipe out a lot of your population? But, but here's a more here's a more sinister thing. And he was just talking about this today about GMO. I think mm-hmm. CNN and some other people and the World News was talking about it, BBC and everybody was talking about it. it's the C. Most of seeds and Monsanto is about three companies in the world that controls about 60% of all the seeds in the world. And these are manufacturing specific to environment, drought, and whatever problem that you have in the environment to grow a healthy crop. But now it's two problems with this. Here. Number one, the only way you can get these seeds, you have to buy them. They won't reproduce themselves. You have to buy them from Monsanto and all your different companies, right, the Koch brothers and all like this to get seed that's going to be your crop for this one month. So that means you have no way, you have to buy the same seed over and over again. Now, after a certain generation, the seed become unfected. They had to recreate another strain of these seeds. You follow what I'm saying? They become mm-hmm. ineffective. So that means is that you control the, you control the world in bread baskets in edible foods, in foods that you eat that, that sustain nutritional value. So that's a curse, right? So you live in a country like Africa, you're reducing these strains that are bumper crops for money, but you cannot produce crops that will feed your people, so you have to export, you have to import foods and basic stuff from other countries, just like we do here in America, right? Now, the strain of banana is going to die out. They're looking for the original banana so they can keep it going on, right? And it will eventually die out. But 
they keep reducing these things, these varieties, they change varieties and everything, knowing that this is going to be a day, there's going to be no banana. You get them real cheap now, so you know how will eat up. Because your grandchildren might one day, great-grandchildren, might not know what a banana is. Great-great-grandchildren might know what a banana is. You know what I mean? Never see they see no pictures, never ate tasting water, everyone. But here's the problem. You know, they got a seed place up, and they, 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 they created up in the North Pole somewhere. They got a, a seed bank. He was seed bank with all kinds of varieties of species of food, especially edible foods. That's in his bank that when the world cultures come, somebody know where it's at, come out and get there, and then repopulate the earth with plants and stuff like that. That's how dire people looking at the situation is, not in the next 100 years, but in the immediate future up to maybe, maybe 20, 40, 50 years from now. You know, hopefully they won't come up with a new thing that we can live beyond our designated age, our 70-something years. You know what I mean? And we will live to be 150 years old, my generation. <laughs> now, now, the young generation, hey, I'm sorry you curse. You're going to be living out to you 150 if you got the proper money and, and the knowledge of different environments and not squeamish about certain things. I think you're going you're gonna to be 150 years old is going to be like a, a walk in the park. It's going to be like 60 years old out of date. You know what I mean? But in saying all that, it comes at cost. All these benefits and perks, the phone. We got Congo people dying by a dollar a day to produce bags of this carbon that goes in the damn phone when they should be getting a whole lot more. But it, it's the, the white people control the market, but the, it's the black people in their country that, that, that gives these people starvation ways just to survive and make it above this. So what's happened to our community is what Francois Nunn, Kwame Nkrumah, a lot of people said. They call it neocolonialism. We cannot break away from the mystique, you know, and a, and a belief of superiority of one race and try to design ourselves to make to become the same oppressors as they have been. It's totally self-conscious of their own, not of the whole group of people, but their own, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's don't get it twisted. When we say white people this, we have to understand that white people are suffering at the same rate that we are, or maybe even greater rates. But however, the way they can get around it, like they say crime, they say, oh, crime is a nigger problem. We've got too many niggas getting creating all these crimes. But it's the same thing in the white community. White people killing white people. You know, obviously some of us like to kill white people too. Well, you know, I got a problem with anybody killing anybody, but hey, you know, we've been trained by the best. You know what I mean? And uh, But black, we killing ourselves, but we have a, a, a proclivity to kill ourselves or to kill people that look like us because we're in close proximity to them and we, have, we are integrated uh, have a certain way. That we're killing our, we're killing ourselves. Black people are killing black people. Black people commit horrendous crimes against black people. Black people hate black people because they're scared of black people committing crime and stuff like that. Because even even if we don't never see a black person committing a crime, the TV tells us definitely black people are untrustworthy, criminal, violent people against black people. And the white man is the God-given savior, just as said in the good book. And it showed the pictures of all these white people rescuing savers and plotters and dying for our people. <laughs> Ain't no white man never die for no sin or no black person. They create, they, they have their own sin they're creating amongst black people. Ain't no white man done that. You know, the book don't say that. They just allude, they, they put their picture up there. Oh, Jesus died for our sin. I don't know if he did or not, but I know, I know it's almost impossible for Jesus to be white. <laughs> it was impossible. It's a part for the few to be white, but yeah, we see all these white people. We call, oh, the Holocaust, the Holocaust, the Holocaust. See, we see the Holocaust every day and don't even identify the Holocaust. You mm-hmm. think Jews didn't kill Jews during the Holocaust it, by the conservative Germans? Yeah, they did. They tried to, you know, they should talk about them Jews in, in, in the concentration camp to kill them and torture other Jews. Now they're trying to make it look like okay. They call them capos. Mm-hmm. You remember? They talked about the Capitol, how violent, how murdered they were. But we see these move. Oh, the Capitol's in there. They were trying to help save us. Oh, yeah, 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 the Capitol. Man, look at here, man. The Capitol make these little gangs in the black neighborhood look like punks as far as the car, the murder, the murderous attitude they had against their own people and what they did to survive themselves. But don't get me twisted. Don't get me twisted, right? It's time the truth come out. Ain't this a show of truth? Under God given truth that you can be substantially changed. And some fool told me that the truth stand by itself had to be explained. It had to be, man, look at here. That's why, that's why now we don't know the truth. Because we, don't, we think that somebody say something, they got to be uh, measured, explained, convinced. We just good with it because this person said that. And we run with it. Oh, he said it. Said look here. The truth, the truth is obvious, and it has to be explained if you didn't see it. 
you know, it has to be brought to your ears you didn't hear. You ignored it because somebody had your had your cup all filled up. You couldn't put nothing else in it. You know what I mean? Okay. So let, let's get it. the truth is the truth. And it got and the truth stands for itself if you know the difference between the truth and a lie. Well, what we what can we do to, what can we do as uh, as being the, the indigenous people, you know, what can we do to uh to change our situation? You know, what I've been promoting is that we're gonna to have to come together as one nation of people. We gotta look past our differences, look past you know, one thing that Doctor Kingdom was able to do in their era that we have have not been able to do uh, is they they were able to to cross denominational lines, cross uh, their different beliefs, put down their different beliefs, so that they could come together as one nation of people uh, attacking one issue. How do we how do we get Black America back? You talking about the United States of America? You talking about Black people, United States of America? Yes. Oh, you talking United States of America? Black people did not come. To, black people hated King, man. The the Baptist Church, the most Baptist Church hated King, man. And after Martin Luther King died, what happened after that? Nada. They had a poor people campaign going on. They turned yeah. against Hosea Women, the poor people campaign. They voted yeah. had a second march on Washington. I was there, yeah. man. You know, somebody asked me. We were talking now, talking on another show. They asked me, "What have you done if you was 18 again?" I say, "The day before Martin Luther King, when Martin Luther King left office, the day before he went to went over there to Memphis, I wish I could have done something. Knowing what I know today, I wish I could have tripped him. I could, I wish I could have coerced him to to, to to stay with his uh this lady that was at the office or something. Or if mm-hmm. I could have got Exonor Clayton uh, uh, to find a reason she couldn't take him or something at the last minute, had a, a thing something." <laughs> Oh, if I could have went in there and make sure the plane wasn't going to fly. You know what I mean? <laughs> to delay him anything. That's what I was known out I But the church abandoned him after he was killed. They said, uh-huh. Just like you do today. They did a black man. Uh-huh. See what happened? You go get the white man? You see what happened? Uh-huh. He ain't had to work with these people. Look what we had to do. Look what we did. Look what we stopped and froze at. Not because, you know, because people were scared and people, it was real life. I can't blame persons for wanting to protect their sons and their daughters and themselves and their wealth or their houses or their life because it was real. This is the first time a black man of that stature in front of the whole world, uh, the whole world, the whole world was literally assassinated and right in uh, doing nothing, right in a peaceful place, a man of peace. was. They didn't assassinate Gundy. Gundy. Gundy had the opportunity, had millions of people with him in his country. Martin Luther King had the, the idea and the aspirations of millions of people all over the world who wanted and freedom, right? He had their aspirations, their hope. And right mm-hmm. in the very end, that spiritual aspiration of freedom was challenging, tested the day that he died and people ran just like that, just like they said, just like said Jesus' disciples ran from him, ran and disappeared, went out into the thing when he was, when he was hung. I mean, put a strap upon the cross. They said they ran away. They ran. They ran, they hid. Okay, you know, well, basically, basically what America does is America stops revolution by assassination. And when you look at when you look at the, the people that was assassinated, when you look at uh, the Kennedys that was assassinated, then you look at uh, Malcolm X, you look at Dr. King, you look at them, they literally, they literally killed, they literally killed the movement by killing the people. And that 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 should never happen because the people, you know, is is you know once the people get united, once the people come together, they're unstoppable force. And so this is why this is why they are being so ineffective against the millennials, against the this nowadays generation, because you can't stop the people. You can't you can, you can cut off a movement by killing the head. But you can't stop a movement that's a people's movement when the people are united, when the people are coming together. All right, uh, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And today, and today, we we just talking to you by the roadside. We just letting you know what's going on right now. Right now, you you you're facing you're facing extermination. 
they got to get the world's population down to by 9% by 2030. So what they're literally doing, you're literally being killed. They're literally, they're literally uh, weaponizing the water that you drink every day. You see these planes squeaking across the airways. Uh, we don't know what these foams or what these uh, smokes are. Uh, uh, what they're putting into the air, me being a nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare specialist, I know that they're using biological weapons. We know that the coronavirus was a biological weapon that was used against the whole world, and they did this in the open. Uh, we know that based on, based, on, uh, based on nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare, we know that they're weaponizing the air, they're weaponizing the water, and they're weaponizing the very foods that you eat. And yes, they do have the capabilities of targeting your DNA or targeting our DNA because we are the original people. We got the strongest DNA in the world. So they have, have targeted this DNA uh, to literally stop us from reproducing, to literally kill us. And um, I wanted to hear I wanted to hear your views on on the weaponization of the water, the weaponization of the air, and the and the you know the stuff that they're doing nowadays to kill us off. Not only is the police shooting us down in the street, not only are we killing each other, but you know white people kill white people, Hispanic people kill Hispanic people. So we don't hit we don't see that in the news, but what we see is is Black America being portrayed as murderers and killers, as you had said earlier. Go ahead, my brother. Well, there you are right there, right? There you are right there. We're in the hearts and minds of people. It's mm -hmm. no different. You know, I lived in Massachusetts, Boston, for quite a few years, right? And the water was so, you know, the water uh, treatment center was over, overcapacitated. They had these old water pipes, these old lead and whatever water pipes, right? The water mm -hmm. was poison. We used to have boil alerts for everybody. Not just in Rockford. What they're doing, doing in Chicago, what they're doing in, in the, all the major cities are suffering from that. Go ahead. The, mm -hmm. the people tax money are not going into the facilities a certain day. When Detroit was a rich, wealthy, uh, urbanized community with all the big auto manufacturers up there, they had top of the late state and everything. People pay their taxes. You got a lot less tax base. They're not the state and the city is not spending their money are able to change their particular program. So the poison's already poisoned in the soil and the water. It was already there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so nothing different. It's just that is that we're suffering from it from our social economic and, and, and race. Because we're in these environments and nobody wants money to change. They had the EPA, you remember, uh, back in the 90s. All the soil, even right now, you're talking about down in Camp Lejeune. All the soil was poisonous all over the country, right? Even in the fields, even the Mississippi River, where they still going, it's a worse poisonous over there. Some, oh, the some, China, some, yeah, yeah. All, you remember, you remember the Chattahoochee River. All these lakes and stuff. Some of them can't support aquatic life. They can't support fish. We should have abundance of fish every little stream and creek that we got. We used to have. You can go down there and get you some crawfish, and these streams and creeks. You go down and catch some little smelts or something, or, or what they call pogies or something like that. All these freshwater fish. Look at, what about the birds? How many birds you see around all them thousands of wrens you can cover trees about this time of year? Where they at? Where the mm -hmm. hawks and all these, where all the birds, that, you know, pigeons and stuff, or, 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 or you might see some geese or some uh, grouse and stuff like that. You don't see too many wild turkeys and grouse no more. I mean, we, this land is not able to sustain life that we can eat. They say it's sustain life that can eat other animals and species, but it don't sustain life. Everything that we need that a person can forget the supermarket, go out in any area in Georgia when I was coming up in Atlanta, and go out and get you a meal, right? Gone. 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 Mm -hmm. and, and some of you don't want to eat anyway because you know they're full of poisons, man. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so I would, say that, I, would, I would say that we individualizing this. That's why they can say, well, look what them niggas talking about. Oh, we did this. What we do this for? We spent all this money. You know what I'm saying? Because they're trying to convince their people, divide and conquer, and everybody else, that we got a problem. We got a problem that we stuck on race. And all people say that. What, what's the difference we have a black cheese or a white cheese? What's the difference if this, that, and the other? 
right? Because they just like us, we just like them. Look, I'm going to tell you something. Race is a real thing. I don't fight a white man, you want a white country. You know, I don't call them racist. I call them nationalists. Just like I'm a nationalist, right? I want mm-hmm. black people to survive in this environment that had a country within a country. We can make our own decisions. I don't call that racism. I call it racism when I don't do everything in the world to stop you from having something because you black and you white. That's racism when I have the ability to change your environment or your ideal lifestyle by creating chaos to destroy the, only, the, the one thing that we have that we might have a chance with, that's a, a federal government. You want to destroy that because it's not leaning your way. So you convince a few blacks among you that ain't leaning that because it ain't leaning for us, it ain't leaning for you either. You got to hate them because they make us stuff like they pedophile. Well, hell, what the hell, what the hell you think Trump is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh? huh? What do you think Trump is? You worried about Hillary Clinton being a pedophile with no proof, no, not the one thing in the world except, except something you saw you saw in the movie about these politicians pedophile. Well, how the hell you going to have the audacity to say anything about anybody when you stink? You know, you talk about somebody hygiene, you stink the high hill. You know, but you tell me that ain't stink. That's that's, <laughs> that's a fragrance. <laughs> you know, you know, just like you take skunk oil from a skunk and turn to call it a perfume. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this is what did we do? I mean, it's hard to manage, man. You if you can't convince a person, you can't convince a person that the best way you can do for yourself, the way you have freedom. Is in the, be, be able to do for yourself. That's true freedom and independence. If you want freedom and independence from an oppressor, then you have to be able to stand and do for yourself. It made no difference if you fight, holler, and scream. You want just like any other third world country that fought against the Europeans and won. But then their economy is in shambles. They're starving to death. They're, take, they're, they're depriving each other for food and stuff. Haiti, Congo. Mm-hmm. All oh, these countries, man, that's a white man taste. Look at man, those people over there suffering. It's because you see these shiny cities. They got shiny cities, and some of them, the infrastructure is falling apart because we have greed, we have capitalism, we have we have all kind of ism, Christian Christianity, we have all kind of ism, Catholicism, <laughs> socialism, communism. We have all these ism destroying, destroying the very fabric of humanity. And if there's anything, anything that law, the Constitution, we fought for these, we, we championed these, we, we created amendments for our people here in this country. We are the land. We are the aborigines. We are the people that brought from our soil to put on this soil to nurture and build this nation. And therefore, I don't see nothing but that well, that's, we had. That's the biggest secret. That's the biggest secret in, in the world, that they're trying to hide, you know, that that we were the original people that were here in America, that we are the ori- aborigines. We are the people that made up America. We, uh-huh. it, we, didn't, we didn't all come over here on those slave ships, and you can find out easily if you can't, if your family was descendants of slaves, you can find out how easy, but the majority of us was already here in America. Go ahead, uh-huh. my brother. Yeah, that's why I want people to know. We were already here, bro. We were mm-hmm. already here. We arrived, we, were, we arrived by the grace of God at low sea levels. You know, mm-hmm. by the grace of God, the wind and trade current, by the grace of God, our knowledge of bill, the, uh, the grace of God, our, our ability to look at the stars and navigate by use of the stars, celestial navigation, which is still prevalent in some areas today. Oh, they got these electronic things doing it for you. And we think, oh, God bless you. Oh, the great white man, he got all these science. But hell, that's been going on since the beginning of time. We don't know when it starts to listen to navigation. Now, people use it. They were able to find their way back across continent, large continents. They created roads and highways and commerce, mm-hmm. you know, and here. And was able to travel here to commerce with, with the people that, that had, they had, where they had left from, from the east to the west, from the west. On the west coast of Africa, they well, left and traveled east. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about what Malcolm X asked. The, he asked the question. He asked. He asked. He asked Black America. He asked him. He said, "What was your original language?" He asked them. You know, where did where did you come from? You know, how did you get how did you get your origin? How did you get here in this country? Where did you come from? You know, 
and, and as we as we look at as we look at ourselves as a nation of people, we got to realize that we are the original people that we were here from the beginning that all of us didn't come over here on slave ships that we are the original people and 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 that's the biggest best kept secret in the world and then we have to ask ourselves who are we if if they say you came from africa what part of africa did you come from go ahead my brothers people that were educated they could speak several languages that could read, that could write, they had a language, a written language of their own, that uh-huh. knew metallurgy, that could mine and 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 mine and, and get gold products, tin, steel. Not well, uh, uh, to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Those were the people that we know. You understand? You know, those people we were. We weren't these so-called illiterate savages living in the bush. We knew animal husbands. We knew how. <clears throat> we knew how to graze. Grading your old plants. We knew how to build buildings, civilization. We did it. That's why. That's why we became valuable to the Portuguese in a country of a country they couldn't conquer. <clears throat> they didn't have the skills, opportunities to build, know how to build. They didn't have the skills to know how to plant, how to do, how to change different variety of species, how to raise animals, how to how to take care of horses. They didn't know. <clears throat> so they went to Nigeria. They went to the Ivory Coast. Look at look at that movie. Um, it has some bearing of similar to Ralph Hill in Hollywood, and that's the Woman King. Forget the, the title, but look mm-hmm. at what they were saying about slavery, about how they already have plants. They, they, they harvest plants. They make oils. They make they make weapons of their own. They knew how to use guns. You know, you know what I mean? Power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, they were savages and slaves. They fought against each other. Man, slavery was a commerce, you know. Yeah, it was one of the biggest, uh, biggest economic uh, opportunities of a, of 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 that of that generation. No, it was the most money. It was, the most, it was profitable. It was less work labor intensive. Mm-hmm. They knew how to go plant, but then they could have other people do it for them by trade and bargaining, like they did for centuries with other countries. Well, possibly were the new, the new word, the European word, the un, you know, the uneducated, <laughs> the people that know about hygiene, learn about hygiene, you know, things that people took for granted in the, in the old world. We're <coughs> how to run a civilization, how to build a nation. Things people took for granted in the old world, where the Europeans were struggling still to build a nation, to build a society of cleanliness, a society of people can live, you know, people. Can uh, can manage themselves. You know what I mean? They were learning all this. They were having diseases that were destroying whole populations. The plague, the black plague, the this, that, and other. We don't want to forget these things. How, how savage they were in that murderous attitude. All right, anyway, brother. All right, this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. I want you to tell the people how uh, how they how you can take them on uh, tours. Take them around to see all the civil rights sites. Uh, let our youth know uh, the, about the history of uh, of Atlanta and the civil rights struggle. Tell them about your, your tours. Well, I got the Atlanta Black History Tours that I do, um, and I'm under the uh, I'm under management right now. I made a contract with uh with uh, uh, uh shoot uh God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you look up Atlanta, Black Atlanta history tours, and you'll see it. Dwight, Dwight, uh, Dwight is uh, the guy I'm on a contract with, so I do tours through them. But until uh, I work that out, you can call me if you're interested in small tours at uh, 40, I mean 470-776-9490, and I will be able to uh, to confer with my uh, uh, with my partner and see if I can and see what kind of tours I can do on a small scale, you know. And I would take you around and show you, and tell you, talk to you about the Atlanta that I was raised up in and my perspective of how black people live prior to prior to these histories. All right, y'all. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast, and uh, we're giving coming to you with nothing but the whole truth. Peace and blessings.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.